Please turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 110. The Word of the Lord. A Psalm of David. The Lord says to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord sends forth from Zion your mighty scepter. Rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people will offer themselves freely on the day of your power in holy garments. From the womb of the morning, the dew of your youth will be yours. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He will shatter kings on the day of his wrath. He will execute judgment among the nations, filling them with corpses. He will shatter chiefs over the wide earth. He will drink from the brook by the way. Therefore, he will lift up his head. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we ask you once again to bless your word and that you would lead our hearts to the great truths about our Savior that are demonstrated in this passage, Lord. We pray that you would show us the Lord Jesus Christ, our great and mighty King, David's Son, yet David's Lord, He who is fully God and fully man, the one true Almighty King. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. In this grand psalm, we see God the Father giving to God the Son a kingdom and installing Him as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. There is represented in this text the glorious promise that He will make His enemies His footstool and that He would rule over them. And there is revealed here the great judgment that He brings upon His foes. This is a magnificent psalm displaying the power, the majesty, and the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, the great King over the people of God. This psalm is a messianic psalm. It has no fulfillment apart from Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It is directly prophetic of the coming of the Messiah and of His kingdom. This is the psalm that is most quoted more than any other passage in the New Testament because it is one of the most clear and powerful prophecies of the nature of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Now this text was explained by the Lord Jesus in His questions to the Pharisees. Please turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew 22, verses 41-46. through There we read, Now while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them a question, saying, What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, The son of David. He said to them, How is it then that David in the Spirit calls him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If then David calls him Lord, how is he his son? 
And no one was able to answer him a word. Nor from that day did anyone dare to ask him any more questions. Apart from reference to the Lord Jesus Christ, this psalm makes no sense. But the Lord properly and rightly interprets it by explaining that in these verses, God the Father is speaking to God the Son. God the Son is the Lord of David, David's Adonai. And in this very psalm, he is given the promise of exaltation by his Father. Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. David, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, saw the promise of God the Father to God the Son to make him the head of all nations and to destroy his enemies. This psalm is rightly understood as a psalm of the exaltation of the Davidic Messiah, Messiah, Jesus, the Son of God. This evening we will be looking primarily at verse 1 of this psalm, as there is so much to be found in it, and it is so essential to understanding the person and work of our Lord Jesus Christ. So please return there with me again as we read verse 1 once again. Psalm 110, verse 1. A psalm of David. The Lord says to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. In this verse, God the Father invests the Son with the supreme authority of the mediator and places in him the highest ruling authority and power and seats him at his right hand, the place that is above every other. And gives him the promise that he will destroy his enemies. He will be given absolute precedence and ruling priority over all. Because he is placed at the right hand of God the Father himself. And thus this is the first great point of this text. God the Father gives to the Son a great promise. And this promise we see is one of exaltation and of the destruction of his enemies. The first thing that we notice in this verse is that David describes two persons here. The Lord said to my Lord. In our English Bibles, we first see Lord in capitals and then the word Lord with only the first letter capitalized. And this is to reflect what is present in the original Hebrew text. In uh, Exodus 3, God revealed his unique name to Moses on Mount Sinai. His covenant name, the name Yahweh, the most holy name of God. And this is the name that is always translated in our English Bibles as Lord in all capital letters. But whenever we see the word Lord with just the first letter capitalized, that is translating the Hebrew word Adonai, which is equivalent to our English word Lord or Master or Sovereign. So what David is seeing in this first verse is Yahweh, the covenant God of Israel, speaking to David's Adonai, David's Lord, his master, his sovereign. God the Father is speaking to Christ, the Davidic Messiah, and promising him exaltation and victory. David acknowledges this person as his Lord But naturally, someone reading this in Old Testament and New Testament times would wonder, how could that be? 
David was the greatest king ever seen in the Old Testament. All of the other kings of Israel and Judah were measured by how well they stood up to David. In First and Second Kings, we read repeatedly the refrain of either, He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, as David his father had done, or he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. David was the standard for a godly and righteous king. And yet here, David calls this one his Lord, his sovereign. This one has priority and power over even David. And the words of our Lord from Matthew 22 demonstrate the dilemma that this posed for the Jews. All of the kings of Judah were, de- were descended from David. How then could they be greater than he was? They looked back to David. How could one who is merely David's descendant be greater than him? How, if David is his father, can he be his Lord? And there is only one answer to this question. The only way that the son of David can be superior to David is also if he is the son of God. And that was Jesus' point in his question to the Pharisees. The one whom David regards as his Lord is so because he is none other than the divine Son of God. This one is not merely a human Lord, but he is the divine and human Lord. In this psalm, we see that there is one who is greater even than David, namely Jesus the Christ. And he is so because he is not only the son of David, but because he is also the very son of God himself. The Lord Jesus alone is fully God and fully man in one person. And thus what David is seeing is not God making a promise to a mere man, but God making a promise to God, the God-man, in a divine counsel whereby God the Father gives a promise to the Son, we see this great and glorious truth. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. David is witnessing this glorious promise of God speaking to God in divine counsel. And this promise is one of exaltation. And this is the second thing that we see in this text. The Father promises the Son that he shall sit at his right hand until he makes his enemies his footstool. The second great point of this text is that the Father promises to exalt the Son by seating him at his right hand. Now there are several significant aspects to this. First of all, he is said to sit at the Father's right hand. Kings would be seated upon their throne. When a king was seated upon his throne, then he would be displayed in all of his regal splendor and his royal majesty. And the king would pass judgment upon the wicked from his throne. He would pass righteous judgment from his seat of authority and power. And in contrast to the priests who would stand continually at work because their work of atonement was never completed, the Davidic king would be seated upon his throne in the full splendor of his office. 
but it also says that he is seated at the right hand of God the Father. The Father says to him, sit at my right hand. To be seated at the right hand was to be placed at the place of highest honor and respect. It was the seat of supreme authority beneath the one who bestowed it. There was no place higher than the right hand of the person who held supreme authority. The right hand was the place of highest dignity, power, and glory beneath the person bestowing it. And the right hand was also a place of power, a place of might. The right hand was a symbol of might by which one worked mighty deeds. And the right hand of the Lord, we read in Scripture, has done several great and mighty deeds of salvation for the people of God. In Exodus 15, we read Moses' psalm, praising God for deliverance from Egypt. In verse 6, he says, Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power, your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. And in verse 12, You stretched out your right hand. The earth swallowed them. When God confronts Job, he says, Look on everyone who is proud and bring him low, and tread down the wicked where they stand. Hide them all in the dust together. Bind their faces in the world below. Then will I acknowledge to you that your own right hand can save you. In other words, Job's right hand was unable to work salvation for himself. Only the right hand of God is capable of bringing salvation. And we read in Psalm 20 that the Lord saves with his right hand. Verse 6, Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. Thus when we see this utterance from the Father to the Son, sit at my right hand, that is a symbol of the supreme authority of the Son. No one else possesses the authority of God. No one else receives supreme power from the hand of God the Father. No one else is recognized to be higher than any other in creation. Jesus is given the place of highest honor, highest power, highest glory and authority because he is seated at the right hand of the Father. And to be seated at the right hand of God is to possess divine authority, divine power. It is not as if he were a step below deity because he is at the right hand of God. No, because he is at the right hand of God, he is seen to be truly divine, truly God, the second person of the Trinity. And as he is the one who is seated at the right hand of the Father, he is the one to whom all peoples shall submit. All the enemies of Christ shall be subdued and defeated. As we read in this verse, until I make your enemies your footstool. And this is the third great point of this text. God will destroy the enemies of Christ. By the power of God, all shall ultimately submit to the Lord Jesus Christ. Through this text, we understand that there is no power upon this earth or in the universe that will not ultimately be submitted to Jesus. 
Even those enemies of his shall be shattered and made to bow their knee unto him. This is what we read in verses 5 through 7 of this psalm. The Lord is at your right hand. He will shatter kings on the day of his wrath. He will execute judgment among the nations, filling them with corpses. He will shatter chiefs over the wide earth. He will drink from the brook by the way. Therefore, he will lift up his head. The foes of Christ, those rebellious rulers and authorities who reject his authority, will be destroyed. The nations may rage against him, but ultimately he will be victorious. And we read a magnificent picture of this. Please turn with me to Psalm 2. There we read in verses 2 through 7. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. This is such a magnificent picture of the Lord appointing Christ over all the kings of the earth, over all the rulers, over everyone today that we see who mocks him over every ruler who thinks that because he has temporal power, he can reject the Christ. God laughs. Over every ruler who thinks that he can murder his own people or permit murder by some excuse, God laughs. And he says, I have appointed my anointed one, Jesus the Christ. What a great comfort this is for us today. Every day we look and see in the news some news of some world leader, some wicked man who has taken upon himself to reject God, to act in wickedness. And yet God laughs at them because he has appointed Jesus Christ as their ruler. He has appointed Jesus Christ as their authority. And it is a great and glorious truth that the kings and rulers of the earth are subject to Jesus Christ, whether they acknowledge it now or not. And one day they shall be made to submit to him. As we read in Philippians 2, verses 9 through 11, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus Christ is Lord and all of his enemies, all of his foes shall fall before him. But one of the great things about this is that not only human beings, not even only angels will fall before him, wicked angels, but even death itself will fall before the Lord Jesus Christ. 
for he has the power of life. He has the power over the grave because he has risen from the dead. We read in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 23 through 25, but each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and every power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. Christ's reign encompasses all things. And one day all will acknowledge that fact. One day his enemies will be fully submitted to him. For he is the Lord God. And thus what we see in this psalm is such a great and glorious picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. That when the apostles, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, read the Old Testament, they clearly saw this to be a great and true picture of who Jesus was, of the ascended one, of the one whom they had known, who had conquered death. Through the Holy Spirit, the apostles saw this. We see this text used several ways in the New Testament. First of all, we see the Lord Jesus using it himself at his trial. We read in Matthew 26, verses 63, The high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, You have said so, but I tell you, from now on, you shall see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. The Lord Jesus, before those false authorities who dared to try the Son of God, declared the truth that He was David's Lord. He was truly the Divine One. He was the One who would be seated at the right hand of the Father. And the Pharisees recognized that he was making a claim to divinity. The Lord Jesus quoted this text because it spoke to his absolute authority and the fact that even those Pharisees would be made his footstool. And we see this text also used to demonstrate Christ's absolute superiority over all powers and authorities in heaven and on earth. At Peter's sermon in Pentecost, in Acts 2, verses 33 through 36, he says, Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend to the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. God has made him Lord and Christ in his exaltation. In his ascension, the Lord Jesus has been seated at the right hand of God. In perfect fulfillment of this verse. What a glorious truth that Christ has ascended into heaven. That he has conquered death. Completely overcome it. And he has ascended to the right hand of God the Father. 
The Apostle Peter also notes in his first epistle in chapter 3, he says, Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. Christ is over all authorities because he is seated at God's right hand. And Paul, the apostle, in Ephesians 1, references the truths of this verse in noting his superiority over all other names and powers. We read in Ephesians 1, verses 20 through 23, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. Jesus Christ has been placed above every authority that exists, and his enemies are being placed under his feet. And we see this text quoted most often in the epistle to the Hebrews, where from the beginning the author sees this passage as a demonstration of the glory of Christ. In Hebrews 1, verses 3 and 4, we read, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature, and He upholds the universe by the word of His power. After making purification for sins... He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Christ, having sat down at the conclusion of his great work, has now demonstrated that he is superior even to angels. Repeatedly we see in scripture that angels terrify human beings. Their very presence and image is frightening because they are so much greater and more powerful than we are. But Jesus Christ is greater even than the angels. Greater than every angel, every power, every creature that has ever been created. And this is why he, the author of Hebrews says again, To which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for, his feet, for your feet? In verse 13. Because Christ is superior to all. And the author of Hebrews also uses this verse to demonstrate Christ's superiority in his priesthood. We do not have a high priest who is subject to sinfulness and to impurity of heart. Nor one who ministers in copies of heavenly places. But rather, as we read in Hebrews 8.1, we have such a high priest one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister in the holy places, in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. The Aaronic priests were always standing because their work was never done. They always had to stand because there were always sacrifices that needed to be offered for sins. But the Lord Jesus Christ, when he had made a sacrifice for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the Father because his sacrifice was complete. His work was done. In Hebrews 10, verses 12 and 13, we read, But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God 
waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. And thus what we see is that Christ is able to sit down because his priesthood is perfect. His work is complete. His sacrifice is complete. There is nothing that can be added to it. And this verse is quoted again in, as an exhortation in chapter 12 of Hebrews. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And so, what a great and magnificent portrait of Christ this psalm presents. He is the one who is seated at the right hand of God. And just to realize that, the one that our Lord has been given authority over all. Not someone who is so far away from us, but the one, as we heard this morning, who is in union with us through the power of His Holy Spirit. Our life is hidden with Christ. As we read in Colossians 3, For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. This is a great and glorious truth for each one of us. And how profound for our hearts that we are seated with Christ. Our life is hidden with Him in that He is seated at the right hand of God. And we are united to Him. There is no, no one else who can match who he is. You know, I've developed a, an interest in monarchy, as some of you may know, just because it represents something that we see in Scripture. You see the splendor, you see the glory, you see the majesty of earthly kings. And it's because they're trying to imitate the Lord Jesus Christ. They're trying to imitate the king. You know, Louis XIV called himself the Sun King. Well, there's no way he could compare to the splendor of the one who is seated at the right hand of God the Father. There have been great kings that have come and great kings that have gone. They have died and they are all mortal. But the Lord Jesus Christ has conquered death itself. There have been kings who have been given great authority, kings who have conquered, who have ruled mighty nations. But Jesus Christ rules all nations. He rules all authorities, all powers, all that we can see, all that we cannot see. There is no name that can compare to the name of Jesus because He is God the Son, the second person of the Trinity. And He is the one who has this great promise of being seated at the right hand of God. So therefore, to you who are believers tonight, I exhort you this evening to look to your King because He has everything that you need. Do you fear condemnation? Look to the Lord Jesus. In Romans 8.34 we read, Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, 
who is interceding for us. This great king who is at the right hand of God, who is above the splendor of every other, is also the very one who is interceding for you this day. Look to him in the overwhelming tide of troubles of this world and see he who is seated gloriously at the right hand of the Father. Know that your life is bound up with his and his is seated at the right hand of God. But to you who are not believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, you do not have this king. You do not have the one who is bound in revolt against the Lord Jesus. Excuse me, you are the one who is bound in revolt against the Lord Jesus. You are an enemy of Christ, and your doom is to be made his footstool by God himself. There is nothing to keep you from the wrath of Almighty God. And therefore, I urge you to repent, to look to the Lord Jesus and trust in him for forgiveness of sins. He has died for sins. Look to him for salvation. Trust in him and be an enemy of Jesus no longer. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. And to all of you, I urge you, look to the Lord Jesus Christ, who is seated at the right hand of God the Father. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we come before you and we ask that you would turn our hearts to the Lord Jesus. That your word and your spirit might be, might bring these great truths to our hearts, Lord. And that whatever other distractions and frailties might keep us from these great truths, you might turn our hearts to him in love in devotion, in honor, and in worship. Please let us worship you and love you, O Lord. We pray these things in his name. Amen.